Hello everyone and welcome to HY Dyslexia Podcast, All Things Dyslexia. It's a privilege to have you all listen to our podcast over the years that we've been um, running this um, different series to do with our podcast. Today's podcast is very, very different. We've got an amazing young man in our studio here, if I can use that word. And um, we are talking about dyslexia and mental health. And it's great to have um, a gentleman, who I will mention his name in a minute, um, who runs an organisation called Essentialize and supports um, people with um, workplace wellbeing, as well as mental health and all the other sort of neurodiversity conditions that one may have. Now, I first of all, I want to say thank you very much to our funders, Awards for All Community Fund. And we are very grateful that they're able to support this particular podcast. Without further ado, I'd like to invite um, our speaker today, Lee Chambers. Lee is a psychologist and wellbeing consultant, founder of Essentialized Workplace Wellbeing. In this episode, we will be speaking about dyslexia and mental health. Now, I'm going to read a little bit about Lee, and then I'm going to introduce him, and he can come and obviously show a little bit more about the kind of work he does. So Lee has um, Asperger's condition. He is um, a British psychologist coach and a founder of Essentialized Workplace Wellbeing, as I said earlier, trusted by multinational companies, elite sports team and global publications. He specialized in creating working environment and culture that are regen regenerative to well-being and boost performance. That was a bit of a mouthful for me with dyslexia. I was looking at that word thinking, what kind of word is that? But anyway, I managed to say it. So uh, in addition, he coaches ambitious athletes um, entrepreneurs and leaders to utilize psychology and well-being to excel in their field. He speaks often on issues around inclusion, mental health and organizational culture and has been interviewed by Vogue, The Guardian and The News Work. Lee is the host of Self-Aware Entrepreneur Show and was featured in the top 50 BAME entrepreneurs under the age of 50 in, in 2020 and as the organizational psychologist of the year in 2021 now that's really amazing that was such a mouthful for me but I did it Lee I was sitting here with sweaty palms and I'm getting all anxiety all over me but hey it's done I was really kept practicing it over lunchtime and I've done it and I think I deserve a clap for that Lee welcome to A2R Dyslexia podcast it's an absolute pleasure to be with you today Elizabeth and yeah thank you for the amazing intro wonderful now Lee tell me a bit I know I've read all that but I'm sure there's more to what you do than just what I've just read. I was really, really excited to see a young black man as a psychologist doing the work you're doing. So just tell me a little bit about, I mean, you know, how you've actually got to where you are, because I know you've actually gone through mental health yourself. Yeah, so it's been quite a journey. And for me, it's a real kind of personal pursuit. And I, as a young man, was always really interested in how the world worked, but more importantly, how people worked, why people did the things that they did, why they behaved the way that they did. And ultimately, I wanted to try and understand other people. And a big part of that for, for myself is I have Asperger's and didn't really know it wasn't as prevalent and as Asperger's as oh, people didn't have the awareness in the 1980s when I was younger. And for me, understanding other people was very difficult. I struggled to read social situations. I struggled to understand other people. And because I struggled, I actually became quite passionate about trying to find out how I could understand. Um, and I was very curious as a young man. 
And I was the first one in my whole extended family to get to university, which was both a privilege and a lot of pressure. And in that, I actually got myself to university and started to, you know, really explore the world, explore the big city. Um, but I actually started to struggle quite a lot as well, because at that point, you know, you have to try and start to work out what you're going to become. Uh, you need to really start to make that adolescent adult transition. Um, and as a young black male, uh, there, there wasn't many uh, role models and influences for me out there that could help me on that journey towards a, a career in science. Um, I studied international business psychology, but when I actually looked out to think who could, who could be my mentor, who could be someone I could look up to, I only really saw young black people in sports, in entertainment, not really anyone like me. And that led me to doubt the fact that I would be able to do it because, well, would I be able to tra trailblaze that pathway? Uh, knowing that I couldn't see or find other people like me, but also years of masking my own troubles and trying to fit in and trying to, you know, throw myself into social situations um, beyond what I was capable of also started to really, you know, cause me a lot of challenges. And in the second year of university, by the end of it, I ended up locking myself away in my university dorm for a few weeks and unfortunately being broken into and taken home and dropping out of university. Um, so, you know, that was a significant challenge. I uh, faced adversity at that point, but that really fueled a passion for mental health. As I started to build myself back up, I managed to get back to university and graduate. And that really has put me on a pathway over the last, you know, 10 years where I've been on, you know, a journey, lots of ups and downs. I, you know, went out to try and, you know, change the world by getting onto a graduate scheme in financial well-being, but lost that in the credit crunch that put me back at the starting point, but that caused me to actually go out and work in local government, in charities, and start to understand how I could impact the world. I ended up building a video game business in that time, using my skill set with algorithms and patterns and automation and being able to build something that give me the financial ability to learn new things, to keep, you know, expanding myself and actually start to understand my condition a little bit more. Uh, but everything changed in 2014. I became unwell. I lost the ability to walk. And in the journey to relearn again over a year, I learned a lot about myself. I had a lot of time to reflect. And I decided I wanted to do something meaningful. And it would be to really use my psychological knowledge the industries that I'd worked in, the experience that I'd built up and the challenges I've been through myself to start to empower other people, to start to raise awareness. And that is where we are at today, Elizabeth, where it's been, you know, it's been a long journey, but I've finally been able to get myself into a position where now, you know, I, I work in the psychological field within businesses, with organisations and with individuals to really empower and help them uh, but more than anything for me, it's been a real opportunity to share some of my neurodiversity challenges and some of my disability challenges when I've you know, had my issues with my mobility um, and actually be honest about them and spread that awareness in the communities to people who you know, don't normally hear these things, but also to try and be a role model for you know, the young black males of the future, the, the young women of colour, who might want to follow a similar path and try to, you know, really find what they want to be and express that to the world.
that's so inspiring honestly I could just sit here all day listening to you Lee I'm like really 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 engaged in what you're saying and I just think it's such an inspirational young man honestly very very inspirational now tell me a little bit about Essentialize have I said that right the company tell me a bit about what you do yeah Yeah. Essentialize so we're a workplace well-being company first and foremost and a lot of what we do really focuses on the, the intersection between well-being and inclusivity because workplace well-being is something that's a it's a growing industry as organizations understand that to get the most out of the workforce to have people happy and engaged in the work to give their employees a good experience so they can attract the best talent so they can continue to grow in the ways that they want to and to actually have teams come together and innovate and create new things and make a difference in the world and those people need to be well they need to be happy they need to be healthy And obviously my work looks at how we can do that, but really starts to think about the fact that well-being as it is at the moment is a bit of a privilege for a lot of people. If you're really struggling with aspects around neurodiversity, with your own mental health, if you're struggling, you know, financially, if you're struggling in terms of, you know, your physical health with pain and chronic conditions, it's quite hard to get the benefit from a lot of what the uh, a lot of what workplace well-being is at the minute because quite often it's yoga classes it's activities that actually really often don't engage everybody and it's there's quite often a lot of workplace well-being where people can't participate because they don't feel like it's for them they don't feel like they're able to they don't feel like they've been given permission to do so so i really go into companies and look at the culture and really start to think about, well, how can we make well-being more inclusive? How can we make well-being more accessible? And how can we start to look at neurodiversity in a different way in business? Because for a lot of people who are neurodivergent, it's, it's more challenging to get employment. It's more challenging to set up businesses because there are barriers there. There are misunderstandings there. There are, you know, common stereotypes that still exist and stigmas that need to be broken. And if I can do that through the well-being work that I do, really bringing in lots of different aspects and helping raise awareness of a lot of conditions from ASD to dyslexia, to dyspraxia, to ADHD, to dyscalculia and a number of other conditions that come under the neurodiverse umbrella by doing that it helps people to understand how to communicate better with those people, what they might be seeing, some of the challenges that they might be facing, how they can learn differently, and some of the, ultimately be more kind and compassionate to everyone in the workplace. And if we can simply be more kind and compassionate to each other, then everywhere becomes a better place to work. Absolutely. And the thing is, when you were speaking, Lee, it was kind of taking me back to when I was unemployed and I didn't have no work or, you know, I was aspiring to be somebody. I think what you do is so phenomenal. It's really great. It's particularly focusing in a workplace and well-being is a must. It's something that we should really be, um, you know, looking at with COVID and so many things happening in the world and everybody's got their own issues going on. And, you know, sometimes you just got to take a step back and say, actually, I've got to look after me because I don't want to have a mental breakdown. So um, your work is really phenomenal, really phenomenal. Thank you for that. So it leads me to my first question. What does mental health mean to you? Well, mental health is something that 
um, unfortunately has a lot of stigma attached to it. But ultimately, mental health is something that we all have. And our mental health is very much tied into how we feel about ourselves, how we express that in the world. And a big part of our mental health is ultimately how we're able to navigate our day-to-day -day tasks, our day-to-day -day communications, and how we ultimately you know, represent ourselves to the world. So mental health, if you ask you know, different people, you'll get different answers. Some people still tie the words mental health very deeply to mental illness and the challenges around the different, different mental illness conditions that people uh, you know, face on a day-to-day -day basis. And ultimately they are you know, significantly challenging. They are clinical conditions. Uh, they don't affect everybody, but they do affect some people. And you know, for those people, they do live incredibly challenging lives because you know, mental illness is, is a very difficult place to be. And for those people who live day to day with it, they are, you know, they are all heroes and champions in their own ways. Um, but for me, mental health is looking about how, it, how our mental state, how our, our emotions, how we feel psychologically and how we approach the world is impacted. And our mental health can be something that, you know, really can be improved. It can really become something that we really look after and take care of. Uh, and what that does is it protects us from the times when adversity does come. And, you know, our lives are, our lives aren't always a lovely, you know, roller coaster upwards. There are plenty of dips and loops in our lives. Uh, adversity doesn't discriminate. Everyone faces it at some point. Uh, but looking after our mental health and, you know, really being proactive with that, something that's incredibly important because what it does is it really gives us a great platform to live our lives from and more than ever in this past 18 months being able to look after your mental health is then really a powerful way for you to help other people with their mental health as well so it's not just a way of giving back to yourself it's also a way of giving back to others absolutely so lee define the difference between mental health and mental illness for me because i'll be honest with you i didn't have a clue that something like anxiety panic fear phobia i didn't know any of these had anything to do with me. i just thought mental health was what you said you know as in mental illness i didn't know the definition between the two until to be honest with you until pandemic hit and everybody kept talking about people's mental well-being and mental. I thought, okay, there's a distinctive between the two. And of course, coming from the black community, I've always associated mental health with maybe somebody who has got the mental illness. So I've had it sort of muddled up. So give me a little example of each. And then maybe somebody else might be listening to the podcast thinking, well, actually, I didn't even know the difference either. So give us a little bit of a um, a, a definition of either one yeah of what it means so i kind of think the easiest way to consider it is mental illness is something that will be diagnosed by uh, by a medical professional uh -huh. and you will then you know be dealing with the professional for treatment of that medical illness and medical illness is coming a whole range everything from uh you know depression to anxiety to things like schizophrenia and bipolar disorder um, and what we see is they, they are classed as mental illnesses um, and they are, you know, they are things that need to be treated. They are things that, you know, require different, different therapies or medications to find a level of control and balance. And ultimately they are, you know, they are to be taken seriously. Um, we live in a world where I suppose we do tend to see and still have the stigmas attached to mental illness 
of you know institutes and things that we used to how we used to treat mental illness a hundred years ago where people were taken to asylums people were locked in secure wards people were you know finding themselves in a place where they were removed from society and ultimately that's has very much created that fear that people with a mental illness are under threat of being removed from society I suppose the difference is with mental health it's something that we all have we all have a level of mental health and I suppose if you think about mental wellness it's on the opposite side of the scale to mental illness and if anything over time we can be proactive with our mental health everyone has mental health and everyone's mental health suffers which is why we do ultimately feel anxious at times why we can feel panicked why we can struggle with our thoughts and our feelings and it doesn't necessarily mean that we're suffering from a mental illness but it means that we're facing a challenge in our mental health but there will also be times where our mental health is in a really good place and we will feel confident our self-esteem will be high we'll feel like you know we're making progress and moving forward so it's just remembering that mental illness and mental health they are different but everyone has a mental health scale that they move up and down over, over time and obviously the what we really want to try and do is try and be as you know as positive into that scale as possible so that when we do face difficult times if we do take a little bit of our, a knock to our mental health it doesn't put us into a place where we're really really struggling yeah yeah thank you so much for that lee i could sit here and listen to you forever it's just so the, the the knowledge you've got and the way you explain things as a dyslexic it's so clear and concise and i just wish that when we were at school and i know mean, i left school what 30 something years ago that this was taught the different you know with the mental health and the mental illness and all these conditions that we're now finding out should really be part of the teaching curriculum to be honest with you because like i'm a big woman now and i'm now finding out all this you know and and, and didn't realize what they meant so thank you so much. Thank you so much for, for explaining all, all that to, to, to our listeners and, and myself. So I'm moving on to the next question. What strategies and tools have you used to manage your mental health? Yeah, so for me, there's been a lot, lot of different challenges that I've kind of navigated over the years. And what I've found are it's very difficult to tell someone what specifically works for them because we're all individual human beings. And the best thing to do is to start to experiment. So some of the things that I've found have really helped me is that I'm a different person if I don't get a good night's sleep. Now, sleep is sometimes challenging because the biggest the difficulty in getting a good night's sleep is the biggest barrier is anxiety. If, you, if you've got, you know, elevated anxiety, you struggle to get to sleep and you're more likely to, you know, not have great sleep quality. Um, so obviously finding a PM routine that helps to destimulate you it's really important. Trying to set up a nice, dark, calm, peaceful sleep environment is also important. And if you can start to, you know, get consistency with your sleep, it really helps you with that emotional balance and stops you swinging from, you know, negative to positive emotions in such a, in such an uncontrolled way. And that really helps you kind of approach the world with more positivity. Uh, also for me, journaling has been absolutely massive. The ability to write down my thoughts and feelings and then think and reflect on them more powerfully. So often, you know, we'll talk to ourselves negatively in our minds. But if we actually took a minute to write it down, it gives us a space to think, well, is that true? 
is that really what we think about ourselves? Is this really the reality that we're living in? Because so often the things that we think, we just believe are true. But more often than not, we might be framing them negatively. We might be blaming ourselves. We might be shaming ourselves. And, you know, I think for people who have dyslexia, it's really difficult. You go through school and, you know, you're, you're afraid of making mistakes. You become anxious that you're going to be ridiculed by other children or made to look or feel foolish. And, you know, that can cause you to then speak to yourself like that and then feel that way. So, so often, you know, and I do some work with young children as well, we get them to write down how they feel. And suddenly they look at it and we say, is, is this, is this, is this how you, this is how you feel, this is how you think, but is this true? It really helps them to unpack and start to understand how they actually feel about themselves. And some of the other things as well, getting out into nature is so powerful. Not always the most accessible to people from black and ethnic minority communities, because it's, you know, if you look at the outdoor pursuit, if you look at the people who generally work in those environments, it's very white dominated. But for me, I champion getting out into nature and getting just, you know, getting reconnected to our surroundings, to the trees, to nature, to green areas outside of the cities and the, and the you know, the human-made environments that we live in. Um, and a few other things as well, talking to other people, those social support networks are so powerful and being able to, you know, find people who you trust, who you can talk to and really share some of your concerns. And for me, having that support network has been so important in my, my own recovery and my own journey. Being able to write and get my, get my thoughts out of my head has been powerful. Being able to escape and get away from the constant stimulation of social media and the world around me has been important. And really getting better at, how, you know, understanding how I sleep best, the foods that, you know, make me happier, the foods that make me not so happy. Um, and trying to fit exercise in there as well, because exercise is a really powerful way for us to feel better every day and really is uh, quite powerful for our mental health and also quite powerful for people with, you know, neurodivergent conditions, because it can help us see the world more positively and help us to feel more in control. Of course. And it's great as you were giving me all the different sort of tools and how people manage. You did. You actually said, look, everybody's so different in how we manage um, um you know, our mental health. But what was great is when you brought things like dyslexia and neurodiversity, i.e. someone might have dyslexia and Asperger's or someone might have dyslexia and ADHD. And, you know, and I know I've been down that route and I had no one to talk to because one of the um, things within, I can say perhaps within my community is that things like dyslexia and mental health, it's probably not something that people look at it as a, as a very important thing. So I struggled on my own and I had no one to speak to. And um, even my family wouldn't have got it. They would not have understood because it's always been about, look, you're a strong woman. Listen, come on, you can do it. You know, and I'm like, actually, I'm really sinking. And that's why I think the work you do is so, so important. I just hope that anyone listening right now will be able to tap into your services and maybe go for the help that they need and moving forward. Thank you so much, Lee, for the great work that you do. I've got a very last question and I will let you go, I promise. So what advice would you give to the black community or anyone with neurodiverse conditions with mental health issues. Yeah, and I think it's really important to find someone that you trust to start to be able to share your story, because for so many of us who are who are neurodivergent and who are suffering mental health challenges, you know we do face the stigmas that quite often say 
and still consider people to be to be crazy, to, to be unintelligent because they're not able to learn in the traditional fashion or that they're not able to you know, be strong in every situation. And we know that, especially for women of colour, there is the strong black woman stereotype that still exists. You have to be, you have to endure everything because you know you you remain that way. But ultimately, the biggest piece of advice is, is to find someone that you trust and start to share your story. Uh, for me, sharing my story has really given me a lot of you know. It's really empowered me. It's really made me made me stronger. And a lot of people would say, "Oh, Lee." You talk about your struggles, you talk about, you know, the, the dark thoughts that you had, talked about the difficult times. Why aren't you sharing all your successes and all the amazing things that you've done? And it's because in real life, there are lots of difficulties we face. There are lots of times we face adversity. If you can hear people who are like you sharing stories where they're not saying, oh, I'm amazing, but actually I'm struggling, I'm finding it difficult. It opens the door for them to start to share some of their experiences as well and you know within the communities that we have and that we live in it, it's important that we're able to step step away sometimes and gradually find the courage and bravery to actually be more sensitive and be more vulnerable and start the conversations that are quite difficult to start but once those conversations are started people are actually more interested in trying to help you then you, you'll ever know. And by opening those conversations and starting to talk a bit more honestly about it, you don't need to suffer in silence and you'll get other people in the community starting to come and say, I understand, I've been there, I feel it too. I know my, my children, you know, my, my people who I know in my family are also struggling, but they won't open up and you talk to them. And just for me, by sharing my experience, I've ended up talking to a lot of other people in the community who were scared to share. But because I taught, they talked, and now they talk to other people as well. And we just spread that awareness and spread the fact that this isn't something that we need to hide. It's part of being human. It's a shared human experience. And there's lots of people in the community who are facing challenges, financial, mental, emotional, physical, let's just break down those barriers and start to talk about them more because that's the best way to really start to you know remove those obstacles smash those stigmas and bring more honesty into it because you know humans are amazing but we all have our amazing little challenges along the way Thank you so much, Lee. Thank you so much for coming on HY Dyslexia podcast, All Things Dyslexia. Um, obviously, if anybody wants to connect with Lee, I've got his contact details here. So you can contact with Lee uh, via social media on um, his website. But anyway, we'll post all that on our social media platform because I'm trying to kind of cram it all in. And obviously with my dyslexia, sometimes the dots and the dashes and everything becomes a bit overwhelming. But Lee, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure having you on HY Dyslexia podcast so my name is Elizabeth Tetchy and I'm the founder of HY Dyslexia and I have condition of dyslexia dyspraxia dyscalculia and visual stress and um, we are coming into your homes to speak to you about all different topics and today's topic particularly was on dyslexia and mental health this brings us to the end of our podcast and I want to say thank you to everyone thank you to Yola who produced the podcast and thank you to our funders again and um, again once more Lee keep up the amazing work that you're doing 
and keep going up you know just keep spreading your wings and, and go as far as you can and um to our listeners we'll see you next week same time same place with a different topic bye-bye for now the aspire to inspire all things dyslexia podcast is funded by the london community foundation it's presented by elizabeth tashley and produced and distributed by salt and pepper productions <laughs>